and welcome to today's episode of Talks with Trav. I am your host, Travis Diamond. On each episode, we talk about a different area in life and offer tips and stories that can help improve the quality of your life and the life of those around you. Uh, in today's episode, I want to talk about habits. Um, a lot of the content that I go over today is comes from a book called The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg, D-U-H-I-G-G, I believe I'm pronouncing it correctly. Um, it's a wonderful book. I highly recommend it to anyone and everyone who wants to learn anything about habits. Um, you know, and there's several good ones, but this one in particular, it, it doesn't just offer you habits that you can do, things you can do, or like, for example, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He gives you seven fundamental keystone habits, which a keystone habit I'll go over in this, um, that help allow you to have success in life or Atomic Habits by James Clear. He offers you ways to set habits and goals and things like that that make it easier for you to accomplish them or for you to alter the habit or implement that new habit, right? Um, So, excuse me one sec. Okay, so um, I think I want to start with a quote by Aristotle. He says... There it is. We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, therefore, is not an act, but a habit. So, when when you think about that, it, it basically, with that philosophy, it means that what you have in life, all your results, who you are as a person, who you associate with, what you do for a living, where you live, all of those things it is a direct result of the habits that you've displayed throughout life, right? Um, and that that's a pretty powerful connection to make, right? But um, I, I want to spend some time talking about what habits are and the the foundation of habits, and then you know why why they exist. So I, I think I'll start with why habits. And we pro- we probably all have a fairly good understanding of what habits are, right? So I would like to yeah, we'll start with why they exist. Essentially, habits exist because the brain is constantly looking for ways to save effort. Um, When you look at it like that, it's, I mean, it's pretty black and white. It's pretty cut and dry, right? Um, You know, it's constantly trying to find ways to save energy and effort, and it does that by chunking. Um, Chunking is a term that basically means the brain converting a sequence of actions into an automatic routine that takes place in the basal ganglia. Um, that's where her, ha- her habits emerge from. The, they, the chunking, the sequence of events, of actions that I'm talking about is known as the habit loop. Um, and that consists of three elements. The cue, which is a trigger that tells your brain to go into an autopilot and which habit to use. So something happens and your brain says, all right, this is the habit that we're going to take. We're going to go into autopilot by using this one. Um, And then the second element is routine, which is, of course, your response to the cue. It can be physical, mental, or emotional. And the third element is the reward, which helps your brain figure out if this particular loop is worth remembering for the future. When you have the understanding of how the 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 habit loop works it it gets a little bit easier to really pinpoint habits that you have in life that you don't want and and when 
when you want to change them, it makes it easier to do so. Um, and I've, I've learned that when messing with the habit loop and trying to make changes in habits, you only need to change the routine. Um, if you set an alarm for six, and that's your cue, and your typical response is hit the snooze button, that's your normal routine, um, before eventually getting up and getting a cup of coffee, which we can say is your reward. Um, if you want to exercise before you go to work, you're gonna have to stop hitting the snooze button. So you leave the cue the same, get up at 6 a.m. You alter the routine, instead of laying in bed and snoozing, you get up and exercise. You go for a run around the neighborhood or the block or whatever, um, and then you come home and get a cup of coffee, leaving your routine the same. Though the habits that are deepest ingrained are the hardest to get rid of. Um, and that, that method right there, only shifting the routine, does wonders, I'm telling you. Um, so I wanna, I wanna change direction a little bit. I, I explained the habit loop, why we have habits. I, kinda, I wanna talk about the keystone habits. I mentioned them earlier. They're essentially habits with a domino effect. Um, I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, writing down expenses or having a food journal. Um, so if you get in the habit of writing down, pulling, keep carrying a piece of notebook paper or, or a little spiral notebook or something with you in your back pocket, and anytime you pull out your wallet to give cash or swipe a card or any of that, you write down exactly what you buy and you write down exactly what it costs, you'll find that you will spend less money on things that are unhealthy or not really necessary. What happens is when you create the habit of writing down the expenses, you're allowing your time to fight through the impulse of purchasing something that you don't need or you don't want when you're in a gas station. If you, Oh, let me stop and get a bag of chips and a soda on my way to work or whatever it may be. You're less likely to do that because it's funny because it's initially it's because of the annoyance of pulling that notebook out and writing the thing down but ultimately it becomes because you allow your your brain more time to think things through and to not make that bad decision um, another example could be journaling your food right um, studies have shown that people who journal what they eat have significantly better results than people who do not they have significantly less junk food consumption and significantly higher health food consumption. Um, you know, and exercising is another really, really big um, keystone habit you can you can think about. So let's say you've been hitting the gym lately and you you're you're feeling good, you know, but you're just still not quite where you want to be. But all you're doing is exercising you're still eating like crap. You're, you're more than likely going to eventually start taking a look at what you're consuming. Um, you're gonna start altering the way you sleep. Um, you're, you're going to look at things a lot different because when you exercise, you get those, that dopamine rush, those endorphins that are released, all the feel-good chemicals, right? Um, and you, you don't want that to go to waste. So for whatever reason, your brain says, I'm exercising, I'm being healthier. Um, I, I believe it's because you're, you're, you start to recognize subconsciously or even consciously that after you eat a salad, you feel better than when you eat a little Debbie cake. Or after you eat something that's healthier, you feel better than you do 
after eating junk food or you feel better after drinking water all day than you do after drinking soda all day or you feel better going to bed at 10 o'clock and getting a reasonable amount of sleep as opposed to drinking staying out and drinking until midnight right you 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 start making different decisions because you start to when you start working on your body you start to get in tune with it and you realize that there are certain things you're consuming that are not helping you accomplish your fitness goals because they they make you feel like shit, you know. Um, so yeah, that those are a couple examples of keystone habits, just those habits that you can really a big habit that helps leverage making changes in other habits. Um, you know, and I want to be clear: if you don't have the belief that you can change a habit. It's going to be so damn hard, probably impossible, um, because you're not going to put in the effort. And when and when times get tough, you ha- you have to consciously fight to make a change in habit. It's not something that you're just going to say, "Oh, I'm going to start running at 6 a.m." Because I assure you, when that alarm goes off, you're not going to get up if you don't consciously fight through it. If you don't make the decision and have the discipline and dedication to that habit change, it's going to be hard. So that that's where we get to willpower, right? Um, so willpower is essentially discipline. It's um, it's the thing that keeps you doing things when you don't necessarily want to do them because you know the long-term results are what you want. Um, so willpower is also something that can be developed. Um, people have different levels of willpower throughout their life um, and in different areas of their life. They may be willing to stand up for something they believe in in this area, but maybe not so much in this one, or whatever it may be. Um, willpower can be developed, you know, just like our muscles. But like our muscles, willpower can be depleted. Um, so if, if you want to build your willpower it's important to identify and to or anticipate the most painful points that may occur in the change of habit or the process and then have a plan on how to beat them you have to think about it Um, you have to visualize you have to think about it you have to get clarity I talk about clarity so much it is undoubtedly I mean my goodness it's so important you have to have the clarity to, to sit down and think about what what am I going to do when I go over to my brother's house and he offers me a beer on Sunday because I'm there watching the game which I have done the same every Sunday for the last 10 years and I've grabbed that beer every Sunday for the last 10 years. What am I going to do when he goes to hand it to me? Because I'm in my element. I'm around people I, that I enjoy drinking with. I'm around you know football and sports and high energy and I'm going to, you know, the beer and the whiskey and all of that. You have to think about it, and you have to decide how you're going to explain that to them. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean waiting until you're in that moment to dis- explain it. You can call them in advance and say, hey, look, man, I'm, I'm getting off the booze. Um, I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't offer me a beer. Could, you know, I'll, could, could we put them in cozies so I don't necessarily have to see them? You know, that's depending on your crowd, most people are going to be willing to accommodate that. You know, offer to provide the cozies. Hey, I'll, I'll bring them koozies, cozy, whatever they're called. I don't care. Um, but you have to think about, you have to think it through. How, how am I going to respond to this situation? What routine am I going to choose in this situation, right? Um, and develop that plan on how to beat them. 
right? You have to develop that plan on how to beat those pain points. Um, and that's how willpower and discipline and all of that gets developed. It's, it's not something you're born with. It's not something that magically happens when you take a pill for 30 days. It's something that you get because you work hard at it every day. You, you do the work when no one's looking. You think about things. You think through processes. You, you think about all the possible outcomes and how you would handle each of them. And you form a plan. I mean, if you ask any successful athlete or successful, really anyone who's successful in any area of their life, they will tell you, uh, in some way, shape, or form, they have sat down and they have thought about what they want the end result to be and what they're going to do to get there and what step, what roadblocks may occur and how they would address them. Does that mean that they are fully prepared for everything that life throws at them? Absolutely not. What it does mean is they are much more likely to be able to overcome any obstacle put in front of them when compared to the person who has never thought about an obstacle, yet alone how to overcome them. You've got to put in the work when no one's looking, guys. You have to put in the work when no one's looking. Um, so, yeah, if, if Charles Duhigg, the author, has a good quote in the, on this. If you want to do something that requires, requires willpower, like going for a run after work, you have to conserve your willpower muscle through the day. Um, I'll give you share a personal story about that. I've been talking about being a life coach and creating online courses and doing a podcast and having all of these these uh, things that I'm working on, right? Um, but I was also working in a job where you know I'm working 12-hour days and my phone rings at any given hour of the day or night, morning. And I have to respond immediately, right? Um, so my, on top of that, my day-to-day -day work in that 12 hours was insanely strenuous, like mentally strenuous. It was not, I wasn't doing manual labor. I was working in a hospital um, in the billing department at that. So I got, I was the manager, so I had to be the one who dealt with all the unruly patients and the, the people who complained about things and so my day was constantly putting out fires and I was so exhausted when I would get home I wouldn't have the energy to sit down and record a podcast or I wouldn't have the energy to record create a course so I could you know put it online for people to see um, I wouldn't have the energy to to work towards being that life coach and I wouldn't have the energy for my clients as a life coach you know and then I would beat myself up and I got in this vicious habit loop of exhausting myself when I would come home my cue of opening my door, which was typically, which originally the cue when I would open my door was, hey, I'm home. I'm so happy to spend time with my family. The cue of me opening my door, um, the, um, the routine after my cue of opening the door became, I'm so exhausted from my job. I want to take my shoes off, change my clothes, sit down and do nothing. And as a result of that, I started beating myself up, right? So, um, yeah, you have to balance your willpower out. Um, so what, what did I do? I started recording in the mornings, recording content in the, in the mornings as I'm going through my morning routine, right? I started carving out time. I started um, getting people to fill in, not, not fill in at work, but like take the responsibility of being on call for me. Um, I started cutting hours in the weekend to do it, you know, and 
And, and that, that's what I started doing because I had to conserve my willpower muscle during the day. I had to find a different way to make it work because what I was doing was failing miserably. In fact, I didn't do anything that I wanted to do during that time. So, um, and now I'm very happy to say that when I open my door, my, my r- routine is to, you know, greet my family with happiness and joy and, and see what, how their day was and talk to them and be fully engaged with them. Um, so yeah, it's willpower, belief in yourself. All of these things take time to develop, but you can develop them. Um, and I'm going to say this one more time. If you knew me when I was younger and throughout school, you know that, well, you maybe not know, but if you were, if you were a, a close friend, you, you, you should be aware of how little self-belief or confidence I had, right? Um, how little willpower I had. I was not someone who wanted to even acknowledge that I was there during attendance because I was so scared to talk to people in public. Like I would literally raise my hand and just pray that that teacher decided to look up so I wouldn't have to say here. Um, and now, all I do is talk, literally, as a life coach. Well, I listen more as a life coach than talk, but like life coaching, podcast, talks with Trav. It's all, you know, like the thing that I used to lack confidence and belief in, I've developed over time because I found typically, you know, I don't say things unless I know them to be true or the information that has been provided me has led me to believe they are true. And I always reserve the right to be wrong. I always reserve the right to accept new information and change my opinion or views on something. Um, But again, all of that confidence to have this podcast and do all of that came from you know time from sitting down and thinking about who I needed to be and and when situations occurred how I would handle them um, and, and in turn these habits started forming so um, I think I've shared my the habit that I use to negate the negative thoughts um, there's a couple that I would do there's one there I would find the silver lining I would I would intentionally think about negative things that have happened in my life and find silver linings in them. And I would go back to the same situation that occurred several times and find new silver linings. Just it's a it's a, a muscle, it's a brain uh, teaser. You know, I was working out my brain. Um, but the other one when I would have a negative thought, I would close my eyes and envision a nightstand with two drawers um, and I would envision me pulling that negative thought out of my head kind of like you see on the cartoons where it's just like the bubble with the squigglies in it, pretty much. Um, And I would open the bottom drawer and I would put those negative thoughts, that negative thought in there and I would close the bottom drawer and I'd open the top drawer and I would, that would be where my happy thoughts lived and I would pull out happy thoughts and I would think about things that have made me happy and brought me joy in life and immediately eliminating the negativity. Over time and willpower and belief I was able to develop the habit of doing this subconsciously so I would have a negative thought and before I would finish the thought it would be eradicated and positivity would be in abundance in my life. Um, so there's again you know several steps you can take to forming habits um, but first it starts with clarity. What, what do you want out of life? All right, now you need to look at what habits you have. What, what, what are the habit loops that take place in your life that you want to change? Um, and then, you know, you set goals on how to change them. And over time, the habits with enough willpower and belief and action go away. But they don't disappear. They don't get deleted. What happens 
is they're stored in, they're encoded in your brain, waiting for that cue to release them again. That's the reason so many people that are struggling with addiction have relapses. That's the re. I I've quit smoking cigarettes. I don't even I I I don't know how long it's been, but it took me two attempts. The first time, I stopped for a couple of years. I stopped smoking cigarettes, and then one day, I don't even know what it was, but some cue happened that put me in the routine of getting a pack of cigarettes. And for several months, like six months or so, I don't, I, I, it's been so long I don't remember the exacts of it, but um, for several months I was smoking cigarettes again. And, you know, thankfully I was able to get that out of there and stop doing it, but, you know, it's that's an example, that's a real-life personal example of the, the fact that the habits don't ever die they just go away until the cue comes up for them to come back. It's like you used to hang out with certain people in a certain part of town, but you never go to that side of town anymore. You don't hang out with them anymore, and um, they don't come off of their neighbor out of their neighborhood. You know, they they stay in their area. They don't leave that area. Um, you're never gonna see them again until you go back to their neighborhood. I know that's not the best analogy, but I think it's it's appropriate. Um, you got to remember the habits will forever be there, and that's why it's important to have a community of support. You know, um, that's one of the reasons that AA is so successful because they take everything that I just shared, the Keystone habits and why they exist and the chunking and all of that, and they put it to well, they put it towards a, like for a higher purpose. You know, you're doing this for. That their higher purpose, but there's also that pillar of accountability and support. Um, and, you know, there's a common theme between all these podcasts. I, I mentioned the same core things over and over and over, and those are really the core things that you have to have to succeed in anything. Um, you know, you can be working towards something, but without that support system and that accountability team, it's going to be so much harder, right? The same with habits, the same with running towards uh, or working towards winning a gold medal in the Olympics or getting a promotion or, you know, losing 20 pounds. All The concepts are the same. It doesn't matter what you put in there. Um, so, yeah, the, the Power of Habits by Charles Duhigg, I cannot recommend it enough. Um, two other books I'd recommend, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Of course, that's probably the most popular habit book. Um, and then, of course, there is also Atomic Habits by James Clear. The two I just mentioned don't so much dive into the science behind habits and why they exist and how they function. Um, they do a little bit, but more so they offer ways, the specific habits you can have, and they dive in on those, but also ways to kind of make your habit, your attempt at changing a habit foolproof or as close to foolproof as it can get. Um, so yeah, I hope you have found some value in that. And, you know, again, just remember the Aristotle quote, you know, <laughs> we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, therefore, is not an act, but a habit. The same can be said for your failures, you know, your successes, for your mediocrity, your, you know, whatever it is. When you, when you recognize that our life is made up of a series of habits, 
you can really make the changes that you want to make in the world. So I'm going to leave you with that. I hope you guys have a wonderful day. Thank you for your time. Y'all take care.